welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for his church. It is our hope with the show that we will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited you have decided to spend some time with us today and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, my brother, pastor, and friend, Eric Moran. How are you today, brother? I'm doing well, brother. How about yourself? I'm all right, man. Um, so we're back for part three of cessationists and continuation. Um, continuationists. Uh, we are going to get into a little bit more personal side of this. We had some, uh, I, I had some extra questions, and we felt like it was a good thing to go back into and, and do those questions because maybe some of y'all that listen to the show are wondering the same thing. So we're just going to jump right into that. I wanted to start in John fourteen twelve. This is one that I hear used a lot in many different churches where Jesus is talking, uh, saying that we will do greater works than he did. But before that verse, Jesus is explaining to the disciples that if they see him, they see the Father. What are the greater works? Also, if we don't focus on the basic things that Jesus commands us to do, why do you think we gravitate towards, why do we gravitate toward more when we haven't put into action the first sets of commands. So when you look at that scripture, it starts off with do greater things than I do. And if we just look at the, the that, that particular verse, it sounds like it's about just actions. What I would encourage everyone that's listening to us to do is to learn to be the 13th disciple, to be able to learn to put yourself inside of the scripture as you read it, never to read just one or two verses that are cherry picked and then it go to opinion or, Um, those that you've already listened to when you're reading the word of God in and with the spirit of God about what the son and the father has made available through what they've done. You are a disciple. So here inside of John, when we go back to 13, it says, I've got this new commandment for you and it's that you're going to love one another. And and when you love one another, they're going to be able to see that you're my disciples. And right after that, Peter goes, so um, where do you think you're going, Jesus? And Jesus is like, well, where I'm going, you can't go. And then he's like, in his pride, he's like, oh, I can. So what did he just do? He just said, you disciples are going to learn to love one another. And then Peter asked the question. He's like, well, these fools may not, but I'm going to. So you see the pride and the hardheadedness of, of, of the realism of what Christ is inviting us into. And he, he looks at Peter and he's like, I'm going somewhere that you can't follow me right now. You will be able to follow me afterwards. He's like, no, 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 I can do it right now. And Jesus is like, scratches his head look at he looks at peter and he's like no before the rooster crows three times this morning you're gonna fail me just tonight boom so when he does this he looks at the other disciples which is 14 one he says listen you guys don't let your hearts be troubled you already believe in god so if you would believe in me also in other words i'm not claiming to be god i'm saying that i'm here to be the image bearer the name bearer the door back unto the father he says but you already believe in the father if you'll just believe in me, here's what I need you to believe. I'm going back to the Father's house. Mm. And when I get there, I'm going to be the one that actually prepares your room. I am going to be the one that comes back and takes you to myself. I know the way where I'm going. Here comes Daddy Thomas. Um, But we don't. <laughs> so the actual verse is Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And then, of course, Jesus turns and we pluck this verse out. And it means everything that people teach out of it. But, well, we hope that it, what people teach out it. But either way, yeah. Jesus says to him, no, no, Thomas, I am the way. And, and what you need to know about that way means the journey. It, the mm. way was the, 
the the way that it would take in a, a day's journey is the way that that word should be broken down. So he's like, I don't know where you're going and I don't know how to get there. And Jesus looks at him and says, I am how you get there. Mm. I am the journey. That's good. And I am the truth. And I, I'm the one that is trying to make the testimony to the truth that I am the way. And that's going to become your life so that you have a way to come back into the presence of the Father, that through me, me being the door, Mm -hmm. you can then come into this right relationship with the Father. So as soon as he gets done with this, I'll I'll go ahead and connect it, because seven doesn't get preached that much. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For From now on, you do know him because you have seen him. So he's like, I I am the representation of the Father. If you didn't know me perfectly, Mm. you'd know the Father. Well, good news is, guys, you know me. Mm Mm-mm. So from now on, you can say you know the Father. Here comes Philip. No, nope. what you need to do is show us the Father. <laughs> and that'll be enough. And, and Jesus is like, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? <laughs> I mean, so like, just imagine Jesus, like, he just went from this prideful oh. guy to this guy doubting that to now we're, we're with Philip. Come on, man. So he looks at him, he's like, have I been with you so long you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Now he doesn't say, I am the Father. He says, if you've seen me, I've come to bear the image, the fullness of the Father unto you, to where you don't have the excuse that you hadn't seen him. I don't get it, Big Dan. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And it's like, okay, so Uh what Philip is thinking about is Philip is thinking about in Isaiah. You see, holy, 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 Isaiah 6, and he sees the the, the throne room full of his train, and he's like, I want to have an occurrence like I've read in the Old Testament about how Isaiah saw God and Jesus is like, it still had to be mediated. Like literally it says, if you see the father, you would die. When Moses is asking Yahweh, his name, Moses said, uh, the Lord Yahweh says to Moses, if you see me, you will die. Yeah. So I'm going to turn you around in a cleft of the rock. And when I pass by, you can turn around and look at my backside because it won't kill you. But I promise if you see me face to face, in and the holy of holy, you're done. You're done. So this is a mediation of the Lord of God in Isaiah, um, in Galatians three. It says that when the law was given, it was mediated by angels. So even though it's given by God, they can't see God without dying. And we can make that another podcast. Moving forward, he's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you ask this question? He says, because here's the thing: even if you do not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, and today we would say, if you don't believe that. I am in the Father in the Son, and the Father in the Son are in me, that the words that I say I do not speak on my own authority, but from the Father who dwells in me, he does his work. Okay, so when we're talking about these works, and we're talking about the spiritual application, he just said, I'm not here on my own authority. Right. I only look and listen for what the Father would have me do for his name's sake and to invite those that are lost into it. Right. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to seek and save those that will listen okay. and submit. Okay. All right. So it doesn't matter what sin, because the only sin that could keep you out of this is blaspheming the invitation by the Holy Spirit and not entering into this invitation. Okay. But right here, he's saying, when you see me, you see the works the Father would have me do. So believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else. So this is a bifurcation or else at least believe on the account of the works themselves. So he's doing the work of the Father. You're seeing him do the works. If you start to give him credit for the works, what is he going to say? The only reason I'm here is because the Father's working through me. But if you can't believe the message, at least believe the works. Hmm. So then when we get over to the verse we're going to, and he's like, do these works and you'll do greater works. That's what they need to see first. 
If you got a whole bunch of information and a whole bunch of telling people what they should believe and a whole bunch of words, but you right. don't live any different than anybody else and yeah. you don't love them when you talk to them and mm. all you really want to do is win arguments, mm. you have absolutely no reason. They have no reason to listen and you have absolutely no fruit to be able to set back on because yeah. you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing with it. Right. So he says to him, he says, um, show us the father, father works. Okay. Truly, truly, this is the 12. Truly, truly, I say unto y'all, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Yeah. What, what does that mean? If you believe that the father and the son have done all things then you'll start to live like it. Mm. If you believe the father and the son have done everything they've done, you will start to speak like it. Mm. If you believe that you will be changing to where, if I ask you what you've looked like over the last six months, six years, 16 years, yeah. you're going to be able to give glory to the finished work of the father and the son by the power of the Holy spirit and how he's changing. You did not say you're going to be Superman, Kate, Jesus Christ in people's lives, <laughs> you're going to be able to say, these are the things that he's allowed me to do. Right. And it says, then when you enter this relationship, whatever you ask in my name, this I'll do. Mm. Why? So that we can come manifest ourselves inside of your life so that you can become an image bearer to where it flows from us unto the dying world to where you become part of the story of God. So the doing inside of the spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts are only to announce the gospel. They're only to seek and save. They are not to, to, to cut people out. They are not for your glorification. They're certainly not for your pride, and they're certainly not for your doubt. They're certainly not for it to be about you. Mm. And as soon as you start making it about you and, and it starts to cut others out, then you're not loving each other, which was where it started. I guess right. that's why I had to go all the way up to 13, Right? is it was birthed out of, they'll know you by the way you love one another. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, okay, so there's a couple of things that you said here that I kind of want to go back to really fast and maybe break them down a little bit, a little bit more. So the first thing I want to get into is I've heard a lot about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I've heard about that, and I've wondered for a long time, and I was, to be honest, petrified of it to the point where I started to become thankful that I didn't know, because I, I knew if I didn't know that I wouldn't do it. But then in talking, having several conversations with you, you know, being ignorant of it is probably not a good thing, because... I don't think that, I mean, I would think we should be aware, of course. We shouldn't be so afraid of something because at the end of the day, I and myself and my actions, I don't ever want to do, I have no desire to ever do that. But at the same time, too, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the smartest man in the world and I don't pretend to be. But I realized in my relationship with God that I was like, yeah, in a sense, I do want to know because I don't want to, I don't want to be a, a, afraid of it but I also don't want to be ignorant to it in that aspect. So, but when you said this morning and that was like kind of the first maybe one maybe the first second third time I've heard you say it and it hadn't really clicked in my head yet, but blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is actually refusing to accept the invitation that's been given by Christ. Am I correct in that? Amen. Okay. Well then that's cuz that's so interesting cuz I hear I've heard a lot of different, you know, um a lot of different views and takes on that or whatever and stuff like that. But that one does make a lot of sense to me in that sense that in rejecting the very spirit of God that, that invited you in, that called, that called to you, how could that be forgivable? Because you basically are saying, no, I'm good with my pride and I'll, 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 you know, bust the gates of hell wide open. I've heard people say that before. And I thought that was like, dude, I don't, you're not, you're not like that powerful, bro. <laughs> 
And you've got to remember, Jesus Christ came against all of the kingdom of man. Right. So those not in the kingdom of God yeah. are in the kingdom of man. Yes. So when you talk about people that read the Bible, there's only two groups. There are believers. Right. And then there's religious. Right. All right. So Jesus's main enemy in the scripture is the religious. Yeah. Which have come up with all of their own interpretation and their own rules. Right. And they argue amongst themselves over who is right and wrong. Right. But the one thing they don't do is lay that all down because of the story being made available by Christ. Hmm. They're blaspheming the invitation of the Holy Spirit because they want to hold on to their own interpretation. They want to hold Mm -hmm. on to their rules. They want to interpret their way. So when he says, what should I compare you guys to? John the Baptist comes and you say he's too hard. Right. I come and you call me a drunkard and a glutton. Right. But it's not because it's too hard and it's not because it's too easy. The problem is it's not your way. Mm. So ultimately, liberal conservative, it's not liberal conservative. It's laying both of those down because both of them have truth. Right. Both of them have man's weakness. Right. The only way to answer it is to actually live for God instead of this world. Mm. That really answers all the questions that Jesus field because they say, Hey, judge between my brothers. And he's like, I'm not here to be your judge. I'm here to invite you into a story that rewrites your story. Hmm. I'm here to bring all things under heaven and earth together and unite them. Yeah. So that means rewrite who you were before you came into Christ as Messiah to be a Messiah mm-hmm. or to reconcile the mm-hmm. fact that I did come and make it available to you, but you chose to turn away from that invitation, which would be to blaspheme, reject the Holy Spirit, to where you will be the part of those that are dishonorable use, cast out. But the story was made available. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that that's totally, I, I just thought it was really interesting and definitely something that, you know, I would like to make other people aware of because I don't, it's one of those things that like, yes, we should have pause and concern about them, not not wanting to do it, but also at the same time too, if you're maturing, you know, parents don't grow up and when they get into trouble with bills or anything like that, just go, oh, I'll just be ignorant of it so that way I don't have to deal with it because at the end of the day, I mean, like, you need to be aware. You don't need to be willfully ignorant because in that, I mean, we could be sinning inside of being willfully ignorant. And you will continue to get worse and worse. I mean, if you, like, pretend you don't have bills and don't pay them, (laughs) it's just going to incur interest in more bills. Right. You're not going to be growing towards anything. But with the love of God through the story of Christ now made available to all through the finished work, you you have an opportunity to grow into something. Yeah, Um, that's good. When you look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, which we talked about however that's presented now, last week or next week or whatever, his premise is you should pursue this spiritual life, these spiritual gifts, this spiritual identity, this new name. Yeah. But when you do, if you lose the love of God and others, then it doesn't matter if you're crucified. If you crucified for yourself, you crucified for nothing. It doesn't matter if you know all things of the Bible. You're just religious and full of hatred. If, if, if you don't understand that all of those gifts are only to make this story that was known unto you that you didn't deserve, now known unto others that don't know it so they can hear about the grace and the mercy, that meets the truth of where they are. You're, you're missing the purpose. And it gets back to, I mean, he didn't give us a Holy spirit of fear and doubt. And I, I shouldn't know that he gave us a spirit of power and love and self-control. Yeah. It it should be leading to those things. It should be leading to knowing that God loves 
God is love. He can't change that, but he's also holy, right. which means his power is coming. Now, you can be part of that power and understand that story or not, and you're going to really first find that out by what you do, and how right. do you change what you do? Well, self-control, discipline. Right. So you can, you can control your self-discipline before you can, the, the better you understand what you're doing, the better your questions become because you're having to change or sacrifice what you do. Right. Now, when you do that, it's going to lead to, I don't want to. Why am I doing this? Right. Now, if, if you're actually part of the story and you continue to, to, to grow and to read and to have brothers and sisters challenge you, mm-hmm. um, those, those answers are, are the ones that are, it becomes your evidence. Right. And that make I mean, that does make a lot of sense. I, even in my own personal life this week, I think I, you know, I, you know, I have, I've been trying to do better about managing my time and, and having those disciplines and enacting them and holding, holding true to them, you know, not just them being some plan that I make, but actually following through, you know, having the self-control. But I got done with a lot of things that I needed to get done, you know, and I was squared away and I was like, well, technically now I have some free time. So I went to go sit down and play video games. And I think I did it for like five minutes before I just stopped. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to do this. I was like, I don't see like, this isn't really helping. Like my, I don't know if, I don't know if it's because I'm already doing things and my mind's like, let's keep being productive. You know? <laughs> and I was like, and I was kind of warring with it for a second. So I ended up, um, just reading instead, which was a lot better. I mean, I I got much more out of the reading than I did out of playing the video games. But also at the same time, too, I had spent the entire day with my wife enjoying the day, not having kids and all that stuff. So it's sort of like I had my fun free time or whatever, but there are times, too, that I need to get back to putting things in, in my mind that need to be in my mind, challenging myself, growing, you know, not just doing this well. I did it. Now it's time to just sit by and let, you know, the night pass or the hours pass and just mindlessly consuming things, which I think is, is totally a God thing, which I'm totally thankful for. And I think that that is his faithfulness when we are striving and we are actually actively doing it. He'll give us those desires and he'll give us that motivation to, to get back, to get back into reading, to get back into studying, to get back into prayer because it becomes the more you do it the more that you really truly do desire it and i think that's cool because that kind of goes back into where god's talking about i'll give you the new heart i'll give you the desires of your heart but what you realize what you realize is is that you're desiring the things that god desires and reconciliation is one of those things there's a lot of a lot of the times people think oh god will just make a way a lot of times the way that he wants to make it is bringing us back together you know, bringing back to that unity because it's one invitation. It's one way on the journey. We all have our own journey, but Christ is the one way. And he's, he's done everything on his side. Right. To where here Christ was in John 14 saying, if you don't believe that I'm in the father and the father's in me, at least believe in the work. Right. All right. So the regenerate heart you were talking about. Right is if you can't believe in the regenerate heart and the fact that I've done what I've done, right. that the Father and the Son are now in me and that I'm in the Father and the Son, right. why don't you start doing? You know, And then when you do it, why do most people fail at a diet physically? Well, they don't see change fast enough. Right. And they believe this lie that in 90 days, if they took this little red pill, that they would lose you know, 50 pounds. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. And even if it does, it's very unhealthy and it, right. you lose half of the muscle, which is the calorie demand. And there's a whole... Th- greater questions underneath the doing it. Right. 
But if you do do it for a period of time and you do start to see your body change, then Mm -hmm. it makes the doing worth it because you can see what it's doing. Well, it's the same thing in your spiritual life. Mm. You have to do it to be able to do it long enough to start to feel. I don't really have any gain when I play video games, but I do have gain in loving my wife or I do have gain in reading the rest of that chapter in that book, or I do have gain. And I, I wonder what happens in the rest of first Kings that I was li- reading this morning. I, I, I do have greater things to do. So it's not like the video games are wrong. They just become insignificant in comparison to the relationship you've been invited into. Right. And you've got a different, you've got a different reason for being here and, and, and the proofs in the pudding type thing. And Jesus right. is saying, Hey, if you would go after it, you'd start to see some changes. And right. when you start to see some changes, you're going to ask, different questions because now you're excited about what you know is actually changing in you. Right. And it makes you believe that original promise that much more. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think to me, it's just one of those things that's cool. And it's kind of one of those things that like, you don't really feel the, the gravity of it until it starts happening in you internally. And then it's sort of like, this is worth it. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is like, I do, I do see it myself and those moments are rare. So when they happen, when they happen, you know, keep them keep them in the forefront of your mind is what i would say is as an encouragement you know the to really be like pressing in is really i'm seeing the benefits of it and i should keep pressing in and what you've encouraged me to do a whole bunch but the other question i had from what you were saying earlier was and i maybe a little touchy but i've studied enough and i know you've studied enough to be able to comment on this but what is the Jesus isn't saying, or does he say one time in Scripture, worship me? He never says to worship him. So what, and I guess the other question I want to get to is I've seen inside of church, inside of Western church mainly, there is a really big focus on Jesus' worship. A lot, It's in a lot of the worship songs, you know, it's just like all that I want is only Jesus, uh, words like that. Um, and then you, in in a beautiful name you have you know you didn't want heaven without us so Jesus you you brought heaven down and a lot as we overemphasize Jesus a lot so I'm trying to figure out well how do we put that in right relationship how do we understand that better how do what are we missing all right so what you're explaining is in a lot of people's theology they have supplanted the father's name for worship of Jesus Jesus came and was sent only to make his father's name known and then available to be part of. He is the unique son, so that only begotten is Magogenes, and it's actually the unique son of God, the son of promise. He fulfilled all the promises of the original covenant, and then inside the finished work of that promise, we now enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus Christ spoke about the kingdom of God, and Paul spoke about the kingdom of God more than any other subject. I challenge you to find it. I will. Through that, (laughs) we need to understand God is three persons, Mm -hmm. one God, all equally needed to know the right relationship of God. Amen. All right. When we look at a kingdom, you have to have the people of the kingdom, you have to have the place of the kingdom, and you have to have the presence of the king. In that one kingdom, all are equally important, but they have to be in right relationship. So when we look at the kingdom, we are now the royal 
priesthood. In other words, our, our profession, our function, our purpose is to worship and serve God the Father as Jesus the Messiah did so that we can, because the same power of the Holy Spirit that the Father put in the Son, the Father and the Son both send to us to be part of the kingdom, mm. to where now it's the Father, the Son, and us by the same Holy Spirit, because what makes it holy is it's connected to the Father through the work of the Son as the high priest, the head, and then injunction all of those that are in the, the finished work of Christ hmm. is our, his body, his bride. So we receive a new name by promise, not by blood, because Jesus poured his blood out to fulfill the promise so right. that we could be in right relationship with the Father. When you start to put those, those things together, mm -hmm. John 17, 3 says this, red letters, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, that would be Yahweh, comma, and Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. Jesus the Messiah, whom you have sent. Okay, so if Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, that would that'd be the Father again. That'd mm -hmm. be Yahweh. Yes. All right, so there's one true God. His name is Yahweh. Jesus Christ is the unique Son mm -hmm. that took on flesh as a B'nai Elohim to allow us to be B'nai Elohim through him. That mm -hmm. means sons of God. The unique Son of God of promise has now fulfilled that promise and invited us into that relationship. Mm -hmm. As soon as you take and start to worship the Holy Spirit and what he does, at the cost of the Father or the Son, that's blasphemy. Mm. If you just take Jesus Christ, and it's like, now that we're, Jesus has saved us, it's like, no, the Father has saved you through Jesus by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. And, and it's communal. It's, it's very, very dangerous to try and separate one from the other, and, and, and many, many people do, yes. Yeah, and I think it's just something that, and I don't mean to, like, call anybody out in it or anything like that. It's one of those things where I've had the question for a long time because I don't see that in there with the good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' first response is, before we even get into the eternal life thing, why do you call me good? And that always stuck out to me, and you can see this, but you see when angels go to visit men, they fall down, and the angel immediately goes, get up, don't do that to me. You, you don't worship me. So, but it is, it's about the father's glory. I mean, that's what Jesus was doing. That's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus and Jesus points to the father. And it's one of those things that I'm, I'm saying it as an encouragement, not as a, not, not condemnation or anything like that. But I do think it's a critical theological point that does need to be addressed. And a lot of the time is not discerned very well. And just like John Darby took two verses out of context and built things around it, which are easy to, to, to do. Yeah. The two things that are probably popping in people's heads right now are, well, when doubting Thomas saw Jesus, he said, let me put my fingers in your holes. He said, my, my Lord and my God. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, now if Jesus had taught his disciples the whole time he was here, that God, the father was going to raise him from the dead and open up a brand new kingdom through the new resurrected life. Mm -hmm. When he saw the resurrected Lord, could he not have said, Oh my Lord and my God that you've been telling me about. Yeah. All right. It's just as simple as, you know, yeah. the other way we've seen it. Right. It, but if you make it about all three, here's the power of it. Or, or when Ananias and Sapphira come in and they say, like, you didn't lie to us. Right. You lied you, to yeah, God. Yeah. And we say, well, it had to be the Holy spirit because the father and the son weren't there. It's like, no, no, the only reason the Holy Spirit is here is because of the Father and the Son, and you can't separate them, and that's where the kingdom yeah. of God becomes so important. You don't go to Amen. church. Right. You are the temple. Right. 
All right. Now, the temple means that you are the residing place of heaven and earth meeting their purpose here on, on where you've been sent. So right. you are his people. You are his place. And it's all about his presence on the inside now making itself known on the outside and falling in love with that relationship. The reason that's so powerful is this. Um, Monday morning, 3.30 in the morning, you wake up. It's the same as Sunday when you were at church. <laughs> Tuesday afternoon, when you nut up at work and you can't believe that, how could people treat you like this? Nope. It's the, it's same, the same exact relationship. <laughs> so when you realize that you, you are part of the gospel and the gospel is part of you, mm. good stories, bad stories, there's no such thing as going to church. You are now the church and you've been sent and you have a purpose, and you right. can go to the Scripture and find yourself in it instead of reading about something 2,000 years ago. And, and that's, that is the difference in the truth versus religion. Absolutely. And, I, and once again, I just wanted, wanted to kind of get you to touch on that a little bit because I'm, I'm sure that could be an entire other podcast episode, but you brought the point up, and I just thought it would, was a good time to ask. That's what basically what this episode was about, a little bit more of my questions. but. I, I do want to jump into discernment because we were talking earlier this week about Acts 21. So we're going to pick up in Acts 21. I'm going to start at verse 8. Uh, it says here, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns, owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When he heard this, wait, yeah, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking, breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would, be, since he would not be persuaded, we ceased, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. And I thought this was extremely interesting because in, in this little passage here, you can see that you you can see that a, the man makes a truth claim and but Paul still says do not keep me from my mission how does discernment play a role in this story and how can we apply this type of scenario to our lives today okay so i'm going to run backwards how do we apply this to today especially where we just left off with the last conversation if we are the kingdom of god people, place, about his presence. Mm -hmm. All of those are equally important, but they have to be in right relationship. Yes. And the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4 says that here, Yahweh your God, Yahweh is one. All right, so there's one God. Mm -hmm. And you're going to love Yahweh with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might, just like Jesus. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So Jesus has now said, wherever you lack, I will fill, because you're going to continue to fall in love with who you are right. because through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to understand how to diligently teach them to your own heart and then to your children. And then when you walk 
along the way. And then when you're at work and yeah. then when you finally say in my governing, which would be my spending, it, it just grows and grows and grows to where you're more of the kingdom because you know who you are. Right. When that starts to take place, that's the application. Okay. All right. Now, when the application starts to take place, when somebody talks about your spiritual gifts, all you're going to say is, you mean the way God's taught me to work? And the way that God's taught me to do, I mean, right. the way that God has taught me to live and, and find my being inside of these spiritual gifts. In other words, right. hey, how'd you do that? It was a gift. <laughs> but you did it only because he let me. Right. Well, you sure did mess up. That's because I'm not there yet. And he loves me anyway. And he still gives me these gifts. And he right. becomes more and more this loving father, God that matters. Right. All right, and inside of that being how we discern, you're going to discern inside of this love relationship because you're going to remember who you were before and how you still mess up now. Remember right. the Tuesday at four o'clock when you nutted up at, on your boss? Yes. All right, but then on the ride home when you have a tear roll down your eye or realize that's not who you are and he, yeah. he, he's there to convict and then console, mm -hmm. you have this live relationship going on because of this relationship that is in, in the Bible. Now, when we take Paul and he's saying, hey, we have these people that were given by the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to see the gospel before it happened. Right, which right? is awesome. Did Paul go to Rome? Yes. Was Paul bound, just like they said? Yes. So prophecy after Christ is right. prof prophetically telling the finished work of Christ, hmm. even before it happened. Ah. All right, so sovereignly God had said he's going to Rome and he's going to die. Yeah. You want to know how I know that? Because that's the way it happened. <laughs> All right. So sovereignly he said that. Now he foreknew right. there were different ways for it to happen. Right. So he allowed these women to prophesy. He allowed him to be, a, be able to be told, hey, you've got a choice. If you go there, we don't want you to because we love you. But he says, well, I love God more. I'm going. Mm. Now, that could have been out of pride of heart. That could have been just the way that he's wired. But yeah. ultimately, you are given... Chances in the foreknowledge of God, i.e., when David is being chased by Saul, yeah. and he prays to God, and he says, if I stay here, will they give me up and kill me? And the Holy, and the Holy Spirit's like, yep. <laughs> Meaning he doesn't use the word yep in the Old Testament. He's like, yes, you will die. Pretty much. And he's like, okay, so I left. And then Saul doesn't go. Now, foreknowledge was if he wouldn't have listened to the prayer and the answer, that Saul would have shown up okay, and well. would have killed David. Right. So through the right relationship of asking about your foreknowledge and then being led by the Spirit of God, by, mm -hmm. by, the, by the, the, the actual prayer life you have and right. being faithful to the convictions that he gives you, he has sovereignly said certain things are going to take place. Right. Sovereignly, he was going to send Paul to Rome to be the opening for the next chapter of history the way we know it. Because that's God's history. Right. Could he have gotten to that point multiple ways? Yeah. Absolutely. So just like in the scripture where he, God says Ahaz is going to die. Yeah. And then there's B'nai Elohim to say, hey, we could do it this way. No, 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 I could do it this way. And yeah. then finally one of the B'nai Elohim sons of God say, I know what I can do. I can go down and put a lying, uh, a lying spirit inside of the Jezebel's prophets. And then the Most High, i.e. Yahweh, says to his divine counsel, i.e. B'nai Elohim, yes, go do that one. That one will work. So he's still totally sovereign. He'd let them do, through foreknowledge, multiple ideas. Right. Multiple ones might have worked. Right. But when he heard the one he liked, he said, do that. Yeah. So if you're praying, you're praying to a God that knows everything. 
or else you shouldn't be praying. (laughs) But when you're praying, you might pray multiple ways that God's going to lead you to what he's sovereignly going to do. Right. When you do pray and something is laid, go do that. Yeah. I highly recommend you do that or else you'll go through consequences, circumstances. He'll still lead you to sovereignly what he was going to do. Right. But there was a much better way. Yeah. If you would have listened. Right. And then hopefully the next time you do learn how to listen and that's called parenting. I know that's kind of like, we don't know much about that in our culture anymore, but that is through the hardships that he wished you wouldn't have had to go through because of a praying relationship. He says, if you'll do it for my name, I'll lead you an easier way. Right. And that's, I mean, that's sovereignly the the relationship that's available. Yeah. I mean, I I think, and when I was looking at at this passage and and this, in the story right here, I honestly, in a sense, I kind of understood where the guy was coming from in a sense. And I know it's probably prideful, you know, that the women prophesied, the guy was like, you know, don't, don't go. We don't want to lose our friend. We definitely don't want, we don't, we don't want anything bad to happen to you. But also at the same time too, it could have been like the, but I like that Paul walks, walks with us. And I like that. I like being around Paul and getting some of the good stuff that he's got and him teaching you know, teaching me and, and helping me as well. So I so I saw that in a sense, but I saw this where Paul kind of comes back and says, no, don't keep me from my mission. I love God more, and that's what I'm going to do. I wonder if that has, if we've gotten into similar things inside of the church before and just refused to see our brother. And in, in, once again, referring to the divine conspiracy, it was really good what was put in front of us. He was talking about condemnation. He said the biggest problem is, is that when you do that, when he's talking about, the speck in your eye, the speck in your brother's eye, and the plank in your eye. He says, "What you're really missing inside of that is the reason that you can't. the The true sin is you don't see your brother. You're not you're not looking at them the way as a creation of God in the sense that we have to look at this through the lens of what the Lord wills. It's not necessarily what we think all the time, and sometimes that means letting our friends go out and go and carry out the convictions of their own heart and that's where feelings lie so by feeling you wouldn't want to lose your brother and sister and inside of acts this isn't the first time so right if you rewind you got uh the church praying when him and barnabas and mark are going to set out Mm -hmm. now they didn't want him to go right because you don't want anybody to go right but at rehoboth when i said hey i think god's calling me to, to go and be a pastor Hopefully they didn't want me to go, but you right. see the mission is greater than the hurt right? because somebody is being called into a greater thing. Now, when he gets to Rome, Romans 12 says this, mm-hmm. brothers, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies. Okay. In other words, that's your presence. That's as you're going mm-hmm. as a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're back to that kingdom life. Right. Now, as you have your body, mind, and spirit, yeah, your body's going into Monday morning. Right. You are the temple, your body. Correct. So the temple is now moving and made available to wherever it is you're going. Right. However, your spiritual worship, image-bearing of who he is, mm-hmm. is by knowing in your mind who you are mm. as both his people with a message about his spirit and his son, the gospel. Right. As the temple, which is laying yourself down, because that is your spiritual worship, no longer being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing, you will discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So these are, this is his handwriting. Well, maybe not his handwriting, because he probably has somebody write it that's not. Either way, these are Paul's words, without chasing that <laughs> rabbit, that says, hey, here I am in Rome. Right. We almost died on a shipwreck. Yeah. I get bit by a viper while I'm putting wood on the fire. Yep. I, but I'm here. Yeah, I'm still here. So I know that this is where God wanted me to come. Now, there right. might have been an easier road, and I might have been able to listen to my friends, and, and I'm not even saying that's not true. <laughs> but here I am. Right. But what I have learned is I don't have to think the way this world does because I get to think about God. Mm. I am not just waiting to die. Mm. I am waiting to die to enter into eternal life. Wow. Um, I have a greater role and purpose, and I'm starting to transform my mind into the fact that everything is a test to learn how to discern what the will of God is. Yeah. Now, in other places, it talks about the will of God. And I'm, I mean, I'm just going to mention a couple, but in Ephesians 5.10, it says this, that you should try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. All right, so the pleasure of the Lord is actually one of the most important things that you can ask about. But what is it? Ple- what pleases the Lord? Because it says it pleases it pleases. It pleased the Lord to crush his son. Okay, you're going to have to expound upon that. It, it, like, literally, when we say, oh, and then the father couldn't look on sin, so he looks away. No, that's absolutely not true. He's sovereign and omniscient. He couldn't turn his view away. Mm. But it literally says it pleased God to crush him because of what he was, a, what he was making come true, what he was doing for the father's name what he was sent to do jesus says if it's your will um can we do this another way and you know people are like he could have called down legions of angels i'm sure when he's talking to the father he's like you know you could call down some legions of angels you know there's other ways yeah there is i mean yeah but if you don't then your will be done right so then he goes to the cross literally hours after that yeah and as they're nailing him down, when he still has the power to call down the legions because the Father said, this is the way, right. he's nailed to the cross and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, mm-hmm. while feeling every bit of the pain that we can imagine, but knowing the Father would have done it different had there been another way. But it pleased the Lord to do it this way because it was the only way that could be done to make it holy, to make it the right payment for the right to perfectly fulfill his holiness, there had to be the perfect sacrifice. Right. Anything else would not have been just and the justifier. And that, that's another, like I said, rabbit trail. But right. all of this comes together in the fact that you have a life to live. You should be trying to discern what makes him, what pleases him. And, and it says, for the will of God is your sanctification over in First Thessalonians 4.3. Mm-hmm. So what pleases God is your sanctification. Mm. All right, so what is your sanctification? Becoming more like Christ. Okay, so it's the process between justification, and that's through the work of Christ, right? and glorification, which is the finished work of Christ. Yes. The in-between is your sanctification. Okay. All right, and inside of that, it says that we have this life that we now get to offer to him. Guess what? As a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of spiritual worship. Right. So when on Tuesday you're like, I don't even think they can talk to me that way. No, you're dead, and you don't have any of those rights. Mm. That's what baptism was about. Mm. But I feel like it, and your feelings lie. Mm. (laughs) So now what do you have to do? You have to self-discipline yourself with the truth of God's Word to start laying down what you used to stand up on because you're no longer conformed to the patterns of this world like everyone else. 
you actually have a higher standard. And the truth says you don't get to play that game. Wow. Did Jesus? No, he laid down his rights. When? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do while he's being nailed to a cross. Yeah. Have you gotten there yet? Because there's like a verse in the Bible that says, until you start shedding blood, just be quiet. (laughs) So like when I came home and my dad looked, if you weren't bleeding, you weren't hurt. I mean, you might hurt, but that you're not like hurt. Like we need to actually take you to the doctor. Hurt. Yeah, this doesn't call for any action. No blood, no foul. You know, and until you get there, you know, you're not there where I've been, so that you can you can be different. You can lay your your rights down. Right. You can take your story and start seeing it different. But you know, the first story that has to die, yours, mm. not theirs. Yeah, yours. But I know all about Sola Scripture in the five to yes, and that's the problem. It's yours. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not correct. Yeah. I'm saying that the correctness and your pride in standing in it could keep you from understanding it's only one layer of the onion. Right. I mean, so basically what you're saying is, is that if your theology is taking priority over imitating christ then you're you're doing it wrong lean not on your own understanding and right. let him guide you in right. all paths so i'm not saying that don't start there don't be able to understand it don't don't weigh the truth of what calvin made available well, don't count the co- well, count the cost i mean that's almost what it sounds like you're saying count the cost in your life before you start telling everybody else what's wrong with theirs yeah that's true if they hear a judgmental prideful heart jesus didn't have one no he didn't now, he did say things that they heard as prideful because it was an attack on what they thought they knew. Mm-hmm. And Jesus' whole thing is, I don't care what you know. I want to know who knows you. Right. I mean. Well, that's all, honestly the same thing with the the disciples who go to cast out the demon. And they say, oh, we know who Jesus is and we know who Paul is, but who are you? And I just don't want anyone that I know to be worked over like that because, oh, we know the scripture better than you. Yeah, we know Jesus. When we saw him in Scripture, he says, "Oh, I know who you are. You're the mighty one." And Jesus, shut up! Ah. Right? I mean, <laughs> maybe not exactly that way, but that's well. The question is: how, Are you actually part of the kingdom? Are you a priest? Are you on mission? Have right. you actually entered into the story? Right. Do you have life in this story? Right. Because I don't care how doctrinally right it is, mm. if it's just to justify you being smarter than others mm. or to run away from church hurt in the past, mm. it's just to cover your hurt or yeah. to make you feel better. And yeah. that's not for the love of God. Mm. Man, I ain't gonna lie. You got me on that one. You kind of get. It's Matthew 7 20. You know, in other words, not everyone says, Lord, Lord's going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. What's the will of the Father? Your sanctification. Right. Well, what is my sanctification? I know everything. No, it says in First Corinthians three, you could know everything, but if you didn't do it for the love of God at the cost of yourself you or others, vain. you did it in vain. Right. And so, so I mean, it, so you're not getting out of it out of being called into action, even if you do come from the premise of I want to understand it more before I commit my entire life to it and all that stuff. A lot of times, people think they need to know the whole plan before they take the first step. But one way or another, God says. If you're not stepping, if you're not walking it out and you're not doing it, you're not a part of it. Is that what, is that what I'm, am I understanding that correctly? The verse that I just quoted that you could know everything, have faith in everything, but if you don't have love, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You could say everything, but if you didn't actually believe it and love it, 
then it was just a sounding gong. You could even be crucified, but if you were just crucified for being right, and they just didn't like the message, and they crucified me, but it wasn't for the love of God, mm. then you died in vain. Mm. didn't matter. That's in the middle of First Corinthians 12 and 14. Oh. So it, your spiritual gifts are supposed to be empowering you to live differently, to then ask new and important questions. That's the purpose of mm. spiritual gifts is for your spiritual life, which happens to be the way, right. the truth, and the life. That leads us back through the door to the Father. Not when we die. Right. Like literally when you understand rebirth. Right. You've been reborn in your spirit, but your life should be reborn. You should see the physical evidence of what you do lining up with what you profess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I do I do think that that's another thing that's missed a lot. Sometimes people just think it's having the right answers to questions, but it's not actually doing it. But a lot of the times, I think in doing it, that's where you begin to have better questions. And you get you get that relationship. You get a new another layer of the onions pulled back a little bit. You're thinking, well, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Why is it? Da, 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 you know, why 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 are they treating this, me this way, or or why is this happening, and all this other stuff? And then the Holy Spirit reminds you, goes, He did it, and Christ did it, and you're to, if you're conforming into the image of Him, uh, this should be about the love you have for your father and that you have for your brother and your sister, right? And your feelings lie. Yeah. I feel entitled. I mean, I did everything right. Doesn't he? No, no, no. Mm. <laughs> but I feel like I'm, I, I know that I know the truth now. I was, I was deceived before, but now I know I know the truth. No, no, you don't. <laughs> but I feel like I do. And that's, that's fine. But your feelings lie. <laughs> right. Um, I think Jesus felt like, hey, God, if there was another way, I think I could, I feel like you could, yeah. you could figure out another way. And he's like, no, your, your feelings lie, Jesus, because you're going to the cross. Right. Now, the call of God unto those that are going to be like his son is to come and die. Mm. There is no other calling, and you can fluff it off all you want, but it means from the time that you actually fall in love with God, you should be putting to death the things you used to not be able to do because of the one you're doing it for. So when it comes to parenting, you really don't have any free time. Yeah. Because there's no way that you could do everything that Christ would have done for you and your family and have time to play Xbox. Yeah. You want to know I know that? Look at Jesus Christ, and they're like, we can't get him off the mission field. He's out there doing what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, he comes in, he crashes in the tent, and you get, you get up like four hours later, and you're like, Jesus is gone. And you're like, oh, my gosh, where did he go? He's out there praying so that he would have the power to be able to be on mission that day for his disciples and those that he yeah. had the opportunity to meet. but. There was no, yeah, I wonder what I'm going to do today time for Jesus. Right. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean we don't have seasons of rest. I'm not saying to take that to the Neo of, oh, no, Eric said, and turn that into religion. What I am saying is we've been called to love and enter this more and more. Right. Um, but I think you, but you'll find yourself doing that, I mean, as you go, because what you're hitting on there is the only reason that Jesus could go out and do the things that he was doing is because he woke up early and he spent time with the father and he was recharged. He was doing, he was doing church on a Tuesday morning. He wasn't, he wasn't working, working all week in a secular job to, to meet, to make ends meet. So then he could come to church on Sunday and do it for that hour or two or however long, you know, church is supposed to meet for. 
he was actively doing it every single day and he he started his days by spending time with the father getting the mission given to him and then going to work baby he was doing it all the time I mean, he did i mean he did make tents i think when that right he's really, carpenter carpenter i think is the paul, cho- paul the, makes tent. the chosen is what jacked me up on that because i think he was making uh he made the animals and stuff he's a carpenter well, yeah, but he's also making, he also set up his house and all that stuff. So I think that's what I was remembering. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But when we get in, when we get inside of this and in, in, into discernment, because I want to look into this a little bit more, because I've actually had some feedback given to us um, about the show and stuff like that. And people said it's really hard for me to discern what you guys are talking about, because it's a little, it's kind of over my head theologically and, and stuff like that. But I don't know. I guess I guess God has blessed me because in the same time there have been plenty of times that I've sat and listened to things before and I've been like, I don't know what it is about what dude buddy's saying. It's not the person, but it's what he's saying just doesn't sound right. And I would go and read in the scriptures and lo and behold other things would come out eventually and you would figure out that he was doing X, Y, and Z, so he would make a profit for it or whatever. So I always thought discernment was that was that that thing from the holy spirit is basically telling you that this isn't about god this is about him and we've seen a long line of people who have claimed to be pastors but just want selfish selfish things you know they want to increase their their status among men and stuff like that so what's so interesting to me is when you're bringing this about that christ was constantly pouring himself out so much and if we're supposed to conform into that image and that is sanctification why does why do we not see that an um, an overwhelming response to that inside the body of christ in western christianity because that's not what we're doing so so when when we look at back to romans Mm -hmm. Did Jesus offer his body as a living sacrifice to be holy yes. and acceptable to his Father God, which was his spiritual worship? Yes. Did he not conform to this world, and he was being transformed by the renewal of his mind? Because like Luke 2 says, and he began to learn, or he continued to learn. So right. even inside of here, why? So that he could test and discern the will of God. When you read Jesus, they're like, why'd you do that? I only look and listen for what my Father had me to do. How did you learn that, Jesus? By looking and listening for what my Father would have me to do. <laughs> Because my life has only been given so that I can make impact in this world for my father's name. I don't even try to figure that out for myself. I try to make, I try to figure out what he would have me say, what Mm. he would have me do. That is how I discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. So you get back to John where we just were in 14. John 14 to 17 is about the gift of the Holy Spirit that the finished work of the father is going to, a finished work of the son for the father is going to give us. And it says this in 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And before I grew into that, I'm like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to show him how much I love him. I'm going to keep his commandments. And I mean, by breakfast, I've already messed up. And it's like, well, you were actually messed up when you thought that thought. So what does it say? It actually says, if you would fall in love with me the way that I love my father, you'd find yourself looking to my commandments. And then you wouldn't put the weight of the commandments on you because you would understand the finished work of what the son has done. Right. So then you would get to do it because here's what I'm going to do. This is 16, 14, 16 is a scripture because I'm going to ask the father to give you another helper that'll be with you forever. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because 
He dwells with you and he will be in you. So I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you and we will make you live because me and my father will manifest ourselves to you. So is that taking place in the believer's heart? Because if not, that that's not the gospel. There's the gospel. Mm. So once again, it gets back to kingdom. How, Eric? He just said, if you would fall in love with me, you would Mm -hmm. enter the kingdom. Mm -hmm. When you enter the kingdom, you are the residence. The Holy Spirit will be within you. Mm -hmm. To do what? To be the high, to be able to be the priest, pointing to the work of the high priest, reuniting you, mediating to you, for you to the Father, mm-hmm. to where now the Father is yours right. through the Son that made the way. Right. That is the truth. The Holy Spirit is now your life, and your spiritual gifts are the ability to do things that the world cannot receive. They cannot see it the way that you're seeing it. So then it starts to break your heart, the things that you hear going on in people's lives that you love, but you can't make them give up their story because it's their story. Right. And then you find yourself doing the same things that are in the scriptures. And he's like, well, then if you do what I do, you'll start to see yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And and now we've kind of gone full circle with that, that, that promise. Right. Um, The more we fall in love with the one gospel, the more that simple answer can then be brought to all the complex questions. Right. And and no matter how complex your questions get, the foolishness of God is wiser than anything that we'll ever we'll ever obtain on our own. And the scripture becomes something that you not only want to know, it's something that you need to have. And and, and then your attitude yeah. changes because you're, you're reading it because you need it. You're not reading it because you're wanting to be smarter than others. Or, or I mean, it's not going to be a self-centered reason. It's going to be a God, the father reason that why Jesus Christ came and lived the life that he lived and laid it down so that you could enter into it. That's awesome, man. That's a really good, Really good little response there to my thing. I got a lot of stuff to think about, which I'm super thankful for, and I totally appreciate. But it can kind of continuing down the discernment path a little bit. I do want to touch on prophecy a little bit because we've talked about it, and I I think your interpretation of it is new to to my ears. Um, I've heard prophecy kind of presented in a sense of uh, almost future telling in a sense for people's lives you know they've prophesied about you're gonna have this nice thing and god's gonna do this and god's gonna do that or and and all those things and i'm just i don't know i have a, i've had questions I, i'm kind of paused for concern in a sense because a lot of these things like yeah i mean it's nice to have a business but i don't understand what that has to do with the will of god so that's just where i some questions that i have with that it's just interesting to me the way what we've turned it into but my question is, when it comes to prophecy, if someone claims to be a prophet and then what they prophesy fails to come true, we are told not to fear fear that person and not listen. What should be our proper view of prophecy and what is prophecy for today? Excuse me. It's kind of harder. This is one of those that are a little harder for me to put in tension because I think God's pretty clear with prophecy moving towards Jesus Christ and the work he was going to do is what was going to be accomplished. Prophecy after the finished work of Jesus Christ is um, prophecy after Jesus Christ is always going to be to prophesy about the finished work of Christ and how that 
is now not uh, app- applied. There you go. That's the word I was trying to think of for application. <laughs> right. All right. I'm trying to find in, in Isaiah 8, and my computer's not working, and it did this to me earlier. So here's the thing. In Isaiah 8, at the very end of it, it talks about the fact that there's going to come this darkness where people are going to be disgruntled, and they're going to turn their nose up on authority and on, on God. And it, But it says, do not go to necromancers, and do not go to those who try to tell the future, and do not do these things, because why would you go and ask a dead God instead of a living God? So when you say, hey, tell me about my future, you're saying man-centered, what am I, what's going to happen to me? Well, God didn't give his son to tell you what's going to happen to you. God gave his son to tell you what happens to him, and then you either join into that story or not. Um, you, want to, you want me to read it? Because yeah. I have the end of Isaiah right here. You, Isaiah 8, and right. it start with the necromancers, yada, 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 and I'll flip in my part. It's 16, so it's 816. It says, bind up. Oh, I clicked on something I wasn't supposed to. Bind up the testimony and uh, bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portions in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living, to the teaching and to the testimony? If they will not speak according to this world, it is because they have no no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look look to the earth and behold, distress and darkness the gloom of anguish and they will they will be they will be thrust into the thick darkness and then in nine unto us a a child is given a baby is born which is the light that's given into the darkness okay so this is looking forward to the finished work of the for the this is looking forward to the sending of the son by the gift giver the father for us to come out of the darkness right now if you look at today and i read it backwards in other words if if prophecy moving forwards is about what christ was going to do when it was written right and i say no no no. prophecy is reading it backwards Mm. inside of the finished work of christ if i say there was a gift giver that sent his son so that the government will be on his shoulders this is not isaiah 6 and 7 and his name will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince of Peace. Hey, his government is going to continue to grow, and his peace has no end. And the throne of David and his kingdom, i.e. the original covenant, will be established, and he will uphold it. But if I go back to chapter 8, moving backwards, it will come to a land that is thick darkness, and they will be a greatly distressed and hungry people. And when they get greatly distressed and hunger, which is coming, they will be enraged and they will continue to speak, speak contemptuously about their president and, the, and God, mm. and they'll turn their faces upward because they're not getting what they think they're owed. To this testimony, you will say, don't go to the dead things that are mediums and necromancers and chirp or prophesy about what's going to happen to you in the future, because that's the only reason you would go to those. So when you look at a medium, don't go to a medium. What is the plural of medium? Media. So don't go to your social media trying to find your life, because why are you going to something that's just going to end in death when you could be going to your Bible and learn about eternal life? Mm. Why are you watching the television, whether it's CNN or it's Fox, whether it's liberal, whether it's uh, conservative? If all it's doing is creating anger and 
hunger and thirst that there's no answer for because it's just about man's government, which, yeah. oh my goodness, he's, he sent a son to take over all the government of the earth. Yeah. Now, that's either that story you believe or it's the other. Right. But one is just leading to dissension. One is just leading to grief. One right. is just leading to, I deserve better than this. Now, right. if you don't see that going on around you, then you're blind, willfully right. blind. Right. If you do see it going on around you, you know what you should do? Stop. Mm. How do you stop? Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which right. says, I am that son. Right. I'm here to make the father known to you because he's the giver. Right. He's made a way for you to get out of this story, mm. for your story to be rewritten from right then. And all you have to do is enter into it. Well, how do I enter into it? Start doing it. Well, yeah, so I, so I definitely want to get on this because <clears throat> I, I'm sure there's some of our audience that doesn't listen to your sermons and stuff like that. But I want to actually want to talk about this really fast because I think this is super cool and it all works, especially with that doing it part where... excuse me, I'm sorry, where Jesus is talking and he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to cause you to sin, cut it off. It, when it goes back to Job 31, isn't it 31, 11, 31, one, seven and 11. Yeah. Somewhere around there. But Job actually mentions in there that he tries not to covet with his eyes at looking at the virgin girl right there. He's saying, I'm not going to do that because that would be sinning. So it also goes back to what Jesus is saying, where you were relaying to the congregation. You said, so if you find yourself going somewhere that leads to not good things happening and sin in your life that drives it, that separates you from your, from your father, quit going. If you find yourself getting on your phone and looking at things you're not supposed to be looking at that leads you away from your relationship with your father and you being able to love others, stop looking at it. If you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing, stop doing. Because your mind is connected to your body right. and your heart, which mm-hmm. is where the spirit resides, right. equally. Yeah. Now, all three yep. over one you, yeah. one soul, right. equally important in right relationship. So wow. if if I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray and my mind understands that about my spiritual life. And I can tell you about, man, we really go to church. Let me tell you about the verse I read this morning and I've (laughs) got my coffee cup and, and I can't tell you the rest of the story, but I mean, I got my coffee cup and and then you're like, uh, but didn't you just cuss somebody out and stomp off? Well, yes, but let me tell you about the gospel. (laughs) And, and you have this, you have this mind body connection, uh, you know, disconnect, right? That, the only way you're going to continue to grow in the truth of that spiritual life right. in your mind is to not conform to the patterns of this world, oh, which right. means you have to start living different. Yeah. But now when you start to live different, you think you're going to be good at it? No. No. be awful but, at it. But then the Holy Spirit can challenge your mind about what you're doing and you're willing to do something different. See, because if you're not even willing to do anything different, there's no conversation. Right. But when you're willing to do something different and lay down your yeah. physical life— yeah. Your body is a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Yeah. So when the spirit says to your mind, you got to stop doing that. If you're not willing to do it, then you're, the spirit might as well be quiet. Right. 
or you're going to start to justify the things you do and you're going to quiet the spirit in your own mind because you're choosing this world and your body over what God has done in your heart. Mm. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm saying you're going to be the least in the kingdom of heaven because you continue to love this world instead of loving God, even if you are a saved individual. Right. Now, you're going to be the most miserable person if you live that way. Yeah. You're going to be the least in the kingdom now and for all of eternity because your mm. whole life is going to be caught in the middle. Yeah. And the way Christ says this is lukewarm. I'd rather spit you out of my mouth, but apparently you're mine. So all I can do is look at you and shake my head. Mm. But all you would have to do is start to actually obey. So the things you do allows the spirit of God to be heard. Right. And, and they have to go together. I mean, if you're yeah. not, if you're not going to cut off the things that you know you're supposed to cut off, right? it's either a testimony to the fact that you're not who you say you are, and that's mm. not even true. The yeah. Spirit is not alive inside of your heart. And if it is inside of your heart, I'm almost willing to bet if I was around you, I would know it was real because you would be the most miserable, conflicted person with the truth of God coming out of you and you being mad about it. Mm. I, I know people like this. I do. I, I mean... There are literal physical examples in my head that they are people that I totally believe are regenerate hearts that are running from God, just like Jonah, and you can hear it. I mean, like, literally hear it. Yeah. I mean, I, but I think that's kind of, that's a good illustration of what it's like to grieve the Holy Spirit, though. And in, in hearing something and then you just refusing to do it, eventually the Spirit just goes, do it your way then, I guess. But I mean... But get, going back to reconciliation, it is one of those things where if you come to the end of yourself and God sweeps your legs out from under you and your pride and you repent and go back to him, turn back to him and say, I messed up and I've messed up for a lot longer than I should have. It'll, And I know this has happened in my own personal life. It, it breaks your heart because you start to realize how much time you've wasted chasing your justification and then when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you and then comforts you, it's, you know, you still get the love, but at the same time, too, you can't, I couldn't help but be broken over it. I mean, it's just. All right. So quick question. Sure. You said when you've been following your interpretation, is that how you said it, or your understanding? Yeah. What do you really mean with that? I know that the Holy Spirit really convicts me when I was just leaning on my interpretation or my justification of it. Right. What does that really mean is in the way? Mm, my understanding, like my my bent, I guess is what I should say. Right. So, it, it, it's what I want it to be. Okay, what you want it to be. And right. then you're saying the Holy Spirit breaks your heart when you realize it. Yeah. Usually through a lot of pain. Yeah, it doesn't, it's, what, it's not fun. A lot of wasted time. Yeah. Um, and... It's really pride. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. So, so, so breaking it down more about pride and entitlement. Right. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm saying this about everybody. I'm not just saying about. Uh, we, can just make it, we can just make it about me. Amen. <laughs> so after mixed pride and entitlement, the Holy Spirit finally gets through because of the circumstances and situations that his pride and entitlement has led to, to where finally he has a moment where he breaks down and says, God, you're absolutely right. The kingdom of God has always been alive in me, and I have been in a way. I now lay myself down as a living sacrifice, which is my <laughs> reasonable act of spiritual worship. Right. Because I have been conforming my mind to the world, it has not been being transformed and renewed. Right. And you are restored. Right. That, I mean, that, amen. Yeah. All right. 
But ultimately, that's available to every believer. Absolutely. All right. However, when you get into a pattern of hardening yourself over and over mm. and over, yeah, it's harder and harder and harder. So, yeah, encouraging from a brother, just don't don't make that the habit. Well, yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is, so many people do it, and you kind of don't you kind of don't realize it. But there are times where I I, I I remember several times, and I'm sure being married, people can relate to this, you know, a situation handles, comes up with a wife, an argument or something like that. And you get out of line a little bit. And of course you don't talk for the day, you know, because you know, it's still hostile territory. You know, you know, there's like a ceasefire going on, but you're just like, well, we, we have to function. So we're just not going to say anything. Then it going go into work, you know, or seeing people out in public and them loving and embracing each other and Holy spirit kind of, Hey bro. Where are you at right now in your relationship with your your wife? Are you loving her like Christ loves the church? And I and a couple of those, and I'm I'm the pride goes out the window, and I go, you know what, you're you are right, and I'm I'm failing at my job, and at the end of the day, I'm responsible and accountable for it. But the biggest thing is, and what I would encourage everyone is, is don't sacrifice the love and comfort of God for your pride. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're saying, I would much rather be right than be comforted by God. And the comfort isn't a promise, you know? Like, we're inside of the pride and entitlement, you said, and then he'll comfort me in love. Well, a lot of times, love comes in a very uncomfortable way. Sometimes love, you know, love doesn't necessarily have to come through comfort. Although he says, when you become mournful over the way that you are, then you'll be comforted. Right. But the the way you get to being mournful over what you're doing usually is a little bit harsher than the comfort you receive once you are mournful of it. Um, the, the hard things in your life are from God just as much as the good things, I guess, is what I'm trying to hit on there yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is, I mean, it's high, high highs and low lows yeah. are probably your fault. Yeah. Probably our fault. Right. You know, I've gotten, I've gotten far away enough, long enough to where something catastrophic enough has to happen to bring me back because I have habitually gotten so far away. And that. Right. Gets back to why I'm trying to encourage not to allow that to become a habit, because if you are his, he will take your legs out from underneath you. And the longer and greater the hill, the further the fall. Yeah, I mean, and absolutely. And I, but I think. I guess I was paying more attention or I was kind of skipping mm-hmm. over the process part of it, because I'm, it's not like this is a, you know, snap my fingers and oh, there it goes. It's over mm-hmm. with now. And I can get on to the comforting. I mean, we're talking about months of what's the point of this why do i do this i mean it becomes mental torture and i think but when i get to that point after being broken and i almost feel the restoration inside of me in the sense and putting that relationship back and being in the right place in that relationship you you almost want to kick your kick your own self and be like why was i so stupid but the problem is most of the time (laughs) you go a week later and it's quick to get back in there. So you have to be aware, constantly aware of being in the right spot inside of your relationship, knowing who you are and where exactly you rank, knowing that I don't know everything I need to be taught. I might as well. I, I tell my wife constantly, I need you to consider me deaf, dumb and blind because I, that's just the way I am. And I think it'd be better if you could just tell it to me like that. You're not going to offend me like that. It's the same thing with my relationship with God. Yes, I have these emotions and I've learned 
through that process that it's much better to take where I am emotionally to the throne of God and be honest with him and say, I'm frustrated and I'm mad and all of those, and all of those things. And eventually he'll show me now it's a hard truth that, that I get hit with, but that's still better than doing it by myself, feeling just apathetic or feeling like there's no point or anything like anything like that inside of that. I know my encouragement is, is to don't trade that out. Don't trade those emo- those bad emotions for something that is true and that can surpass all of that because the lesson is important and the lesson helps us grow in our relationship with God. Hebrews 12 says that he will discipline you like a child. Mm-hmm. The he will mentally make me feel like I am going crazy or however you just said that mentally it'll feel like this argument back and forth. I want everyone to know that's part of the relationship. And it's because he's running the truth up against your perceived reality. And, and there should be that battle against the spirit and the flesh. There should Mm -hmm. be that, that conversation that's going. And yes, and somewhere in there you said, you know, I feel like I've been so stupid. And, and the story is, yes, you are that stupid, <laughs> right? And then over time you realize I really do need to understand myself as death bond. And, 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 and I, can't, I can't see without him allowing me to see. And I can't walk inside of what he's done unless I realize he's the one that gives me the ability to walk. And I, yeah. I, can't, I can't be alive if I keep trying to hold on to my death. Well, um, uh, well, Hebrews twelve, right three, right here. I just read mm-hmm, this. Uh-huh. This kind of I, I said Hebrews twelve I, is where I, I started. I, I wish I would just read this yeah. instead. But consider who consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. That was the verse I was quoting earlier. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses y'all as sons? My son, my sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones, the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So. I should have just read that. My favorite illustration about this is, is if you take Moses. Yeah. And Moses was raised where? In Egypt. All right. And he was raised as one of Pharaoh's sons because, you know, his daughter. Okay. Yeah. So. You got Pharaoh's son, mm-hmm. and you got Moses. Yes. Who was being raised to take over the kingdom? Not Moses. Yeah, the, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's, son. Pharaoh's son. We'll yeah. just say Pharaoh's son. Yeah, yeah let's All that. right, so the Pharaoh poured into Pharaoh's son right. because of who he was and what he was going to do more than Moses because Moses was not his son, and he was not taking over the kingdom. Correct. So um, if you're a child of God, yeah, God is molding <laughs> you because of the kingdom. Right. So, but so and so is not. That may not be who they are, and that doesn't really matter because, mm. son, my eyes are on you mm. because you're in the kingdom, and you've got a kingdom to represent. Yeah. So it gets back. I love that illust- I love that passage of scripture. But my illustration is to take it back to Moses, to where when Moses saw Pharaoh's son being prepared for this kingdom, when he was at the burning bush, he he received the same thing. Ah, and the, I never made that connection. The father before. poured into him, and the father said, "No, no, no, we've got a kingdom, and here we are." And just like I'm sure Pharaoh's son, well, I've got this weakness and that weakness. Is Moses like? I mean, I stutter. Yeah, I didn't ask what 
what would keep you from it. I told you where we're going. Right. Um, and, and ultimately today, hard things are going to happen to you. Yeah. Do they happen to you because of the kingdom you're part of knowing that they're going to lead somewhere or mm. are they happening to you because, well, they shouldn't happen to me. I did such and such. It, it test your own spirit. I mean, second yeah. Corinthians 13 at the very end of the book, he's like, you know, test yourself and find out where you're at inside of this relationship. Absolutely. And it's like, well, how do I do that? Um, just be real still and quiet and think, how was I like God today? Oh man. And there's like crickets. Well, then how could I have been more like God today? And then boom. And then he just starts showing you this, that, and the other thing. And I mean, okay, so when he showed you that, guess what? Now you got to do them. And if you don't do them, we're right back to the beginning of, of, of this whole episode. Yeah. You have to start doing them because as you are going, you're going to make disciples. Right. Well, how do I make disciples? Well, how about get going? <laughs> right? Well, if you don't believe the words that I'm saying, guys, at least try and do them. I mean, how many times do I have to say doing is a, a proverb 16. If you'll get your steps going, I'll show you where we're going. Right. But you're supposed to show me where you're going. I can't show you until you start putting one foot in front of the other one. Right. I mean, I, <laughs> I, this, this, you telling me is part of the problem, you know, yeah. stop telling me and start going. Where are we going? I'll tell you when you get started, son. <laughs> right. You're not, you're not wrong. Just the way that you're putting it. I mean, it sounds like I can relate to it so much. Cause I mean, that's literally what a lot of the conversations they seem like, but, and I'm telling you from my own personal experience in the going is where things start to make sense. There has, there's never been many times where I sat down and I was like, all right, God. So, uh, I need a step-by-step as far as what the course of actions are. I need to know how many paces it is straight and when, which way left or right turn. And then how many paces that way. And then once you give me the whole plan, then I'll start going. Pros, cons. Yeah. You get this big list and God says, I don't care about any of that. <laughs> Jesus with his disciples meeting the woman at the Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. Do you think when he went left into Samaria, they're like, where are you going? And Jesus is like, I don't know. But I do know <laughs> I'm supposed to be somewhere at a certain time. Yeah. And when he got there, he knew why he was there because there was an individual there for him to share with in the heat of the sun, which meant she was an outcast, which God, the father said to the son, that's the one that needs to hear the message. He shared it with her and then she shared it to the town and the town was changed. Yeah. Well, and I think the most interesting thing is she runs and she goes, come see the man that told me everything about my life. And there wasn't good things that, you know, that, I mean, she didn't live like the most out, out upstanding life you know so it's it really interesting that when you meet the truth like that how you will go and proclaim or, or he said the things she could have been offended by yeah oh, oh wow. but what if he would have just not offended her then he would not have told her all the things that she had done <laughs> so i mean it, it is about finding right ways of saying things but we have to say the things that need to be addressed or else it loses its power amen i mean what do i need to hear from a father, brother, or sister about me is the things that I have blinders on. You want to know why they call them blind spots? Because you can't see them? Because you can't see them. <laughs> All right, so that means you got brothers and sisters that are there to show you your blind spots, right. but we've got to be able to trust each other, and they'll know you by the way you love one another. It kind of yeah. gets back to this. It's, but th but this, is, this whole thing has been about how to operate in this inside of the right relationship, especially with these you know spiritual gifts and all these things and discernment, and there's there's so many different things and it's not, I mean, I guess one of the big takeaways that I would have from, from, from this episode would be, 
you're not God and you don't need to know the entire plan. You need What you need to be doing is doing what God commanded you to do. You need to be conforming into the image of Christ and leaning on the Holy Spirit, not on your understanding. You need to be leaning on God. You need to be leaning on his, his perfect will and his plan and not so much worried about, yeah, but I don't. But I don't know. I don't know the plan, man. I don't know the plan. Well, guess what? You weren't elected to that position. And if you want to know more about the plan, it's called the Torah. Yeah. So, I mean, Jesus continued to, to point you back to the wisdom of the Torah. And the reason that is, is if I am the priesthood, then the priest would take the sacrifice from the one that brought it, pray over it, hand it back to the individual Mm -hmm. and then give him the knife. Mm. So it wasn't like I went to the church and the preacher absolved all my guilt. No, no, no. You came to church and the preacher told you what was wrong and then allowed you to sit in it Mm. and allowed you to cut the throat of Mm. the lamb that you brought in front of your seven-year-old and explained to your seven-year-old how sin costs the life of an animal and it will cost you your eternal life if you don't do something with it. Yeah. And the priest was allowing me to minister to my children by doing what a lot of people would say. That's too offensive. That That's too mean. Why would you go get PETA? And it's like, okay, you can do whatever you want to remove yourself from the truth. Right. That's your choice. That is your choice. I mean, it is. I mean, it, it's like you said, though. I mean, we have to we have to tell the truth, and sometimes, guess what? The the truth is going to piss you off. I mean, it's not exactly always going to make you feel like sunshines and sunshine and rainbows. I mean, I I don't know where this notion came from that we're not supposed to, like things aren't supposed to be hard, but it's but it's a lie. I mean, it's just it's like I want to ask people like, do you live in the actual world, or you just live in like this? made up fairy tale land where nothing is ever supposed wrong is supposed to happen to you. I don't I don't I don't know. But they'll tell you don't talk to me about sacrificing animals and then go home and watch m- murder documentaries about people that have killed 36 people and just got caught and this is how they did it and they're like <laughs> I mean that's nasty. Why are you watching that? Don't you judge me. And it's like did you know that they used to slaughter animals? That's offensive. <laughs> so I mean, people are offended when they choose to be offended. That's right. When we do offend people, there's rules of when I do it, I'm willing to walk through it. Mm. I'm not just going to judge you and say it to you and then walk away. No, it's when I say it to you, I'm usually going to use myself as an example first. Right. I'm going to try and at least exalt what I can yeah. that I've heard in inside of your testimony. But we have to work through the hard stuff, and I'm saying I'll work with it, work work through it with you. Right. Um, but it has to be addressed absolutely in community. Right. Um, and without improper weight. Right. Uh, but it's all eternally important. Right. So I guess for the final thing we have, which we always have at the end of the episodes, what can we take away from this conversation to not tear at the seams of the bride, but build each other up and unite in spirit and in truth? First Corinthians 14 said all prophecies should be to build up and to edify the church. Mm-hmm. And that if people that just came to visit that were lost would all be built up and convicted of what was wrong in their heart if they heard all of us prophesying about the finished work of Christ. Mm-hmm. So there's no way you can go wrong with prophesying back to Christ. Amen. Understanding who you are in the kingdom, moment by moment, 
is to live in your spiritual identity or your new name. Mm. When you are living in the name of God, it's going to cause you to war your flesh versus your spirit because you are going to do things that the Holy Spirit can and will say you can't do that anymore. Amen. When that voice happens, you have a choice of what you are going to do or not do, and that's why the doing is so important because the doing is evidence unto yourself over who you're choosing in your heart after the point that you've been regenerate. Yeah. So you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you, but your choices of what you do can grieve and have the Holy Spirit withdraw because you are choosing not to allow him to enter into the things that you're doing. So, I mean, quickly, that that would be what I would, I mean, take away from this particular episode or podcast would be the doing is not just you showing the world what you're going to do and you're going to lose your witness if you don't do it. No, it's not about man's approval or what they think at all. It's right. who you actually are inside and, and what, where you are with God that you're, you're actually seeing as you test the choices that you make. Amen, dude. I mean, I think, that, I think it's extremely important that we need to be, just as, much, just as much as we are believing, we need to just as much be doing. Have you heard the saying, you are who you are when you're all alone? Yes. All right? So your faith is what your faith is when you're all alone. Yeah. Doesn't have anything to do with Oh, yes, you'd lose your witness if somebody saw you. But it's okay if nobody saw you, right? (laughs) No, it it should be the same. Right. And it does matter what other people see because that's the representation. Right. But you should be the same. Yeah. Character and integrity are those words. Right. Um, Oh, but it's over my head. Well, go learn what character and integrity mean and then go actually read the Word of God. And remember, I've, I've encouraged Mick with this and warned Mick with this. That if you read a book and you know every word and it, you're like, yep, yep. Okay, that's a great book for entertainment, but it was not a good book for learning. Right. Now, if you start a book and by the third chapter, you've already looked up 12 words in the dictionary because you don't even know what this dude's talking about, <laughs> that's called learning. Right? Because even if you just look up that word and you learn that word that day, you learn that word that day. And yeah. the next time you see it, you've that's actually awesome. learned that word. Yeah. Um. So if it's hard... I would rather practice with Michael Jordan every day and get beat Amen. than play with a four-year-old that I can dribble over his head. Just dominate. There's no benefit in that. That's true. So That's true. if you're struggling, understand God's got you there to learn how to struggle and struggle well. That I read autobiographies and biographies for my entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, find a proper blend, but don't be scared of, I don't even know what that word means. And I have no idea what this dude's talking about. Right. Well, that's fine. It's one story. If you yeah. keep listening, I promise we're going to talk about the same thing every week, just in a different way, but it's the same story. Yeah. Uh, it, it will get better. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today on this, on this episode of the podcast. We hope that you have uh, taken away some information that will help you uh, challenge what you believe for the benefit of growing in your walk with God. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com, Faith Fleshed Out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Faith Fleshed Out. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us. We have an email. It is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. That is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us. 
We love all of y'all. Say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. All right, we'll see y'all next time.